Off Script with Trish Glose. Intimate interviews and fun conversations with interesting people in front of my microphone today is Brie Malarkey. Hello, Brie Malarkey. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Before we get started, I do have to apologize for my cold voice. I've got that nasty, like, lingering cold that makes me sound all nasally. I thought you sounded really professional oh, good. and commanding. <laughs> <laughs> You're a suck-up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so... I know you from Breeze Botanicals, um, also Sun God Medicinals. Right. I looked you up, and this is what I found. Entrepreneur, public speaker, accidental activist. That's on your website. Right. I thought that would be a great title for that memoir someday. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a whole story. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> we are going to talk about accidental activists because I know for a hot time, especially in the news business, we knew you as Brie Malarkey. I mean, essentially, you were like the weed woman. Right. You were the woman who knew everything about marijuana. Well, <laughs> you know, I like to think of myself as an herbalist that just happened to embrace cannabis as okay. this medicinal herb and this power plant. Right. And you're right. I mean, we were the first ones here in the Rogue Valley to get a mor the moratorium lifted to be able to open a dispensary. So we got a lot of news and a lot of press. So. A ton. But yeah. you also... Um, I, I think for us, you were kind of, and I don't even want to say kind of, I do that all the time. You were the expert for us. You knew, because you had to do all this research, so you knew so much about right. marijuana. We are going to talk about that, because um, you also ran for office. Yeah, I'd like to say I threw my hat in the ring, yeah. but I uh, didn't really have a chance to actually run. But right. yeah, it was really, I really wanted to be a voice for my community. So Okay, well we're going to talk a lot about both of those things and much more, but first... I like to start off all of my fun conversations with, where are you from originally? Newport, Oregon. Born okay. and raised Oregonian. Oregonian girl at heart. Yeah. What was it like growing up in Newport? Windy, rainy, foggy year-round. <laughs> really? <laughs> Lovely, though. Wonderful community. Small, great family mm. network. I love the power of the ocean. I still miss it. Oh, man. Yeah. I was just going to say, the Oregon coast is probably one of my top three places to be on this planet. I haven't been to a lot of places on this planet, but... There is something about the Oregon coast. I've never been up to Newport, though. Yeah. I grew up in a little house right across from Yaquinta Head. Uh, Agate Beach was my stomping grounds, and I still go back there when I need a reset. Same yeah. here. It really does reset you. Yeah. There's something about the power of the ocean. It's both scary and inviting. Absolutely. And if people haven't experienced the Oregon coast, they absolutely need to. I agree on that. Uh, did you go to high school there? Yep. Okay. So yep. what was childhood like? Did you grow up with siblings? I do. I have a younger sister and a wonderful mom and dad, very close-knit family. Uh, my parents and their friends had all kind of moved back to the land in the 1970s. They'd mm. all come from other parts of the country and all moved to Newport, Oregon to, you know, experience living in nature. And it was a great environment to grow up in. I bet. Small town? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so what was high school like then? What were you like in high school? I rushed through high school. I graduated in three years and wow. took zero period classes, was very involved in student government, uh, involved in a lot of different community groups mm -hmm. and sports and student body presidents, uh, you know, just all that kind of stuff. Very active. That explains a lot. <laughs> very active. I wanted to study political science. I was uh -huh. very politically motivated and uh, when I was 18 went to the University of Oregon. So that was my big escape from the Oregon coast over to Eugene, Oregon, just mm -hmm. over the mountains and started studying uh, political science. Okay. So yeah. what was your reasoning for graduating or getting done with high school so early? You, just, you had bigger fish to fry? Yeah, I just felt really... You know, it wasn't an original goal in my freshman year, but I was so driven, took so many classes. I'd, by the time my senior year came around, I had plenty of credits, and I was just ready for university. Wow. Okay, so, so you went to you went to U of O as a 17-year-old? 18, yeah. 18. So. Okay, so yeah. not too far off what normal... You know what? Actually, that reminds me. In first grade, I was held back because I couldn't learn to read. Oh. I had dyslexia and was put into a special program. And my mom said I just made it up in high school. You like, did? Yeah. So so age-wise, I graduated when I was supposed to. But, uh, you know, I just kind of needed that extra boost when I was a youngster mm -hmm. and pushed on through. So um, I had a college girlfriend who have um, a college girlfriend who had um, dyslexia. Mm -hmm. And school has always been a struggle for her. One of the smartest women I know and top of her class all the way through. But she struggled with dyslexia. I guess it was something, I, I don't have a conscious memory of it, Right. so I guess it was something I learned. I, You know, writing your B's backwards and your D's uh -huh. backwards, or sometimes I have a hard time with there, there, and there. You know, a lot of the yeah. words that sound alike, trying to remember how to spell it, uh -huh. 
how to write it. So, well, I think you're, Thank you. yeah, that's, <laughs> that's normal in my opinion. I mean, I still have to say Wednesday. And, oh, right. You know, to just, phonetically. Exactly. Spell it like, how do you spell that again? Yeah. Okay. So you go to U of O. Do you, plan on studying uh, political science? Yeah, I started with political science and I realized it was just too much theory for me. I mm -hmm. really wanted to have my hands on. I really wanted to impact and change the world. I was all for doing the Peace Corps. I started studying solid waste management and went into the planning, public policy, and management program. Wow. So for me, I didn't want to know all that theory behind political science. I actually wanted to influence and make change. Okay. Then I get married right out of college. I have kids and I work in the private sector ever since. I've never worked in the public sector. Okay. So through this experience with cannabis, I've really been able, you know, you are the sum of your existence, right? So being able to pull back on that public policy and that political science mm -hmm. background and be able to work here to work in public-private partnerships. Yeah, well, so. I was going to say, through all of the speaking and education that you've done, that's public service, essentially. Yeah, you know, just staying true to what you believe in and mm -hmm. then we're trying to work within a system because people always say, oh, the government, the government, 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 you know, and people need to realize we are the government. We are in one of those lucky countries where we have a representative government. Mm -hmm. And so we have that ability to influence and make change. And I think people forget that. You know, they always want to complain about those people. Well, we are those people. And I think people forget that they really can influence and be really active in forming their local communities. And especially in your city governments and your county governments and your state governments. Mm -hmm. At the federal level, yeah, we're a small fish in a big sea. But on the local level, we can really influence change. I think I people forget that. I, I think they do, too. And I forget that. It's overwhelming to think about, well, how can I spark or influence change? But all it takes is just one voice to start lots of other voices. Especially in a really constructive manner. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody likes to be attacked. And sometimes you get really passionate, very well-meaning people, but they come out of the gate, you know, attacking others. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important for people to try to understand opposing viewpoints mm -hmm. and understand why maybe somebody's coming at it from that angle. And if you feel really passionately that maybe it's not the right angle, trying to understand where they're coming from, a lot of times there's a lot of alignment. People want what's good for their children or people want what's good for the environment. It's just how yeah. do we get there exactly as a group so. exactly well if you look back I don't even know maybe a decade ago the whole organic food movement was was big and I remember reading in a book if we as consumers just started to demand that fast food restaurants for instance or other grocery stores or whatever would carry more organic foods and you look at what's offered today that's a huge movement everyone's gone organic for the most part mm -hmm. or all natural or whatever and so I think that's a prime example of voicing concerns as consumers because money means a lot to right. You it's know. called voting with your dollars, right? Exactly. So, you know, us as a consumer base kind of demanding what we want and what we need as mothers standing up for what we really want for our children. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, that's my life. So that's where I come from. No disrespect to men out there. Right. But, uh, you know, in our communities, how can we influence what the grocery stores are carrying? Mm -hmm. You know, going to shop from the farmer's market and supporting local. It's a yeah. challenge when we're all working 40, 50 hours a week and working really hard in our careers. It's a huge challenge. Um, so you you said you got married and had kids right out of college? Yep, I have a, oh my goodness, now I'm gonna date myself. I have a 22 <laughs> year old, wow. beautiful, wonderful young uh, woman. Uh, my daughter is studying to be a teacher up at Western Oregon University. Love it. And my son Connor is 20 and he is trying to figure out what he's really passionate about right now. I have a kiddo who's also 20, who's also named Connor, who's also trying to figure out what he wants to Knuckle be when he Bob. grows up. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the Connor is out there. No, he's a beautiful soul. Same. So. Beautiful. One of the most beautiful humans that I know on this planet, but just really trying to figure out what do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah, and my daughter is so driven. You know, it's funny, kids, you know, the same mom, same dad, and they're so different. And mm -hmm. that's kind of fun to watch them both figure out their way. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, it's just, you know, everybody's path is different. I say this to a lots of people, but just because someone is on a driven path and they know exactly what they want to do, doesn't mean you have to have that same path. Your path Absolutely. is different. Yeah. yeah. So, um, did that throw a monkey wrench into your plans? You know, flow with it. Yeah. I love the children and they're absolutely beautiful and 
brilliant. So no, I, mm -hmm. you know, and now full circle trying to think of ways to influence the communities. Yeah, I'm not in Africa in the Peace Corps developing solid waste recycling programs, but what can I do now within my own communities mm -hmm. to kind of make an influence that way, you know? Chasing so, other dreams yeah. at this point. Mm -hmm. So when did you move to Southern Oregon? In 2011. Okay. And so you had young kids at that point. Yeah. Yeah, you want to know my, you want to hear my story? I love to hear your story. That is why you were here, Bring Malarkey. First of all, where, Malarkey, that's your husband's last name? No, that's, that's my dad's name. So you kept your name. Yeah, so not at first, but you know, when you get married and I've actually been divorced mm -hmm. and you know, you're trying to figure out what is my identity when I've had all these different last names. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been Brie, but I've had um, different names. My, my dad actually adopted me when I was four uh, and gave me his name and so when I uh, got divorced I decided to go back to my maiden name because you know he chose me and he, he wanted me and you know I'm full of malarkey so I might as well keep it right. I was gonna say <laughs> it's a great last name. Thank you. What, what is it? Malarkey is Irish Okay. and you know uh, I think the story goes that there was this man in Ireland who used to tell a lot of tall tales <laughs> and nobody ever knew if he was telling the truth. So they a phrase like you're full of malarkey, like I don't know if uh -huh. you're full of anyway. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great. your listeners don't know if I'm telling the truth. Okay. Because I'm full of malarkey. I'm full of malarkey. <laughs> That's great. It's a great name. Bree Malarkey is a great name. Okay. Sidetrack a little bit. So tell me your story. What what brought you to Southern Oregon? So my current husband and I, uh, he's a wonderful man, and we, when we got married, really decided we wanted to leave the corporate rat race, and we wanted to become entrepreneurs. We both had this creation, building, um, inventing kind of mindset, but we were both nervous. Like, we didn't know how to start a business. Mm -hmm. And so we bought these wine stores, or created a wine store called Wine Styles in the Eugene area, and it was a franchise. And... Loved it because it gave us that, you know, the whole idea of franchises uh, is to take a tried and true concept that worked really well for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then you've got this replicatable store in a box idea that you can bring into your communities. Right. So we thought that was a safe way to begin our entrepreneurship is to have a privately owned uh, franchise. And we loved it because the whole point of the wine stores was to demystify wine. So instead of just having a wall of Chardonnay or wines from Bordeaux or from Australia, the store would break things up by flavor profile. So like a Chardonnay could be light and crisp or rich and bold and deep. And so we really, we loved wine, but didn't know a lot about it. So we thought this was a great concept and yeah. it was wonderful. But around that same time, that was in 2006 when we opened that store, uh, a lot of the grocery stores in Oregon started offering wine like a lost leader, like bread or milk, you know, it became a little more culturally. There was more and more wine drinkers. Mm -hmm. It's what they were using to get people to come into the store. Mm -hmm. So it made it more challenging to have a boutique artisan wine store. Uh, and then the Great Recession hit in 2008. Yikes. And we really struggled to keep our head above water. And ironically, between 2008 and 2010, uh, Connor was actually diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Okay. He had really been struggling in school. So we had this double whammy of the recession hitting and kind of the impacts of wine and selling wine in our industry. And then me also recognizing that maybe I shouldn't be working 50, 60, 70 hours a week wow. full time. Maybe I really need to be focusing on my son who's not really thriving in school. How old was Connor at the time? Gosh, let me see. He was born in, uh, so he must have been, what is fifth grade? Fifth grade's like. <laughs> I have to like think back to age. What is that, like 10, 11? I was thinking, so it started in about third grade when we started realizing that he just really <laughs> wasn't fitting in. Okay. He was really struggling. But in fifth grade, he went through some serious depression, um, crying. He was psychologically depressed. He was the kind of kid that would correct the teacher all the time, you know, would stay in at resource, recess and he would read books because kids would make fun of him on the playground. Mm. He just really wasn't connecting with people, but he was so smart and he was so brilliant. And uh, just we as a family really made the decision that we wanted to homeschool him. He was not doing well in public school. What was that like when you heard autism? Well, it wasn't even straight that diagnosis because at first they thought he was... ADHD and then they thought he was something else and it took a whole bunch of tests and mm -hmm. analysis and uh, we went to a special specialist in the Eugene area 
and he has kind of a combination of different things that he was dealing with. So at the time, they said he was actually Asperger. Okay. Um, and now they just say that he's on the spectrum, right? So, okay. Um, and that's, and we can flash forward, but that's really what got me into herbalism, was he was really struggling sleeping, and uh, so we basically we lost the stores or gave up on the stores in the recession mm -hmm. and uh, found 40 acres off Craigslist in the middle of nowhere in this little place <laughs> called Shady Cove, Oregon. We're like, what? where is that? Where is that? <laughs> it's on the way to Crater Lake. Okay. And we just decided we were so burnt out trying to make these stores work. We were really struggling. We were putting all of, all of our, and I'm not a quitter. Neither is my husband. And we were putting all of our energy into trying to make these stores work. And Connor wasn't thriving, and we just decided, you know what, throwing in the towel. We are moving back to the land, 21st century style, uh -huh. and we're going to go focus on family. And I think that was the best move we've ever made. It was really hard to declare bankruptcy as a family, to lose your home, to lose your stores, but we knew, we kind of made it a family decision. Uh, my daughter, my son, we all sat around the table and made a decision that, hey, we have this opportunity. Do you guys want to live simply, but you have mom all the time? Or do you want us to continue working and trying to make these stores work? Mm -hmm. And we'll be financially okay, but I won't be, I can't do both. Yeah. And the kids really wanted to be homeschooled and they Aww. wanted to, yeah. So that's how we moved to Southern Oregon. Wow. And really got into herbalism and plants. Around that time, Connor was not thriving on different pharmaceuticals and he was really struggling. The doctors were trying all these different things to try to help him, not only with focus, but he had severe uh, insomnia, couldn't sleep at night, and he was having side effects from all the pharmaceuticals. So so you, it sounds like you started to, to do your own research, mm -hmm. figuring out what can I do for my kid. Exactly. Okay, yeah. and that brought you to cannabis? Actually, no, it just brought me to all different herbs, herbs and plants. Herbs, yeah, right. and okay. um, at the time, my husband was a medical marijuana grower through the Oregon Medical Marijuana Program okay. and grew cannabis for uh, some different family members and for himself through the medical program. Mm -hmm. And I was recognizing all these comments from people about how wonderful cannabis was for them, but they didn't know why that strain worked well for them or that one worked better for them. Gotcha. And uh, then my, I was helping Connor with hops and chamomile and lemon balm and all these different sleep aids and studying from amazing herbalists like Susan Weed and Michael Moore and Rosemary Gladstar, just amazing herbalists of our time. Susan Weed, really? Yeah, she knows she's name, great. Her last name is Weed. Okay, all the listeners need to Google her or watch her YouTube channel. She is one of the most passionate women I have I ever met. I think that's met. awesome. Yeah, isn't it? No, and you know what's funny? Was she was the very first woman that I heard describe <laughs> cannabis as a power plant, uh -huh. you know, as this amazing plant in the plant kingdom. And yeah, her last name is Weed. But there's a lot of amazing weeds that we appreciate. Absolutely. That's the one people think about, you yeah. know? Weed. Well, I was going to ask you, what are some, when you were on this quest, and you would you consider yourself an herbalist? I, I am definitely an herbalist. I am the self-taught herbalist. Okay. So, you know, I mean, in America, it's really hard. We don't actually have schools. Uh, you know, we don't have credentials necessarily, but we have mm -hmm. naturopathic colleges. We have schools of clinical herbalism where people will actually work as a practicing herbalist in clinical, like okay. helping to diagnose things with you. Okay. Um, but I'm a compounding herbalist. I love to mix and match and cultivate and grow and formulate and that's why uh, Sun God Medicinals I'm so passionate about and that's mm -hmm. our product line which we haven't started talking about okay. yet. Okay, so you're a bit of a scientist then. I call myself an herb nerd. Herb <laughs> I'm nerd. I'm an herb nerd. I love going to grow. I love having my hands in the dirt. I love making products, mm -hmm. talking to people about herbs and plants. So, What are some of your favorite herbs? I love plantain. I love comfrey, organ grapefruit. Uh, I'm a bio-regional herbalist. And what that means is I really study herbs and plants of our region. Okay. And that was really fundamental to me. When I moved back to the land, to Shady Cove, I wanted to know what as a mom could I grow here on our land that could maybe help Connor. If the big Cascadia earthquake happened and we couldn't get pharmaceuticals, what could I do as a mother to provide for my family? Totally. And to help them. So part of that was growing and making our own foods. We got goats and cows. I learned how to make cheeses. I learned how to make bread, how to cultivate food for us. Um, but also herbs and plants as medicine. So how did the local Native Americans use madrone berry or mm -hmm. dig up organ grape root and uh, use different medicinal mushrooms? So I just be kind of came this person of place. 
So there's a lot of truth to Chinese herbology, Ayurvedic herbology, you know, herbs and plants from India. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Moore is an amazing herbalist from the Southwest. But for me, I really wanted to study traditional Native American uses of stuff that was natural from here in Southern Oregon or the Pacific Northwest. Right. Well, if it grows here, I mean, it's a lot easier to create products, things that are grown here versus something that doesn't even work here. Grown Absolutely. Here. And you were talking earlier about people voting with their dollars mm -hmm. and searching for organic. And the number one way to kind of know your foods are good is to know your farmer, right? To go tour their farm, yeah. to meet with them. And, you know, a hundred years ago, that was every day, right? You would know your milkman. You would know who made the bread at the local bakery. Yeah. But today, we're all so hurried, and we have a global economy, and things are shipping from all over the world. Mm -hmm. You don't have a chance to go see that avocado farmer or to know if maybe there's going to be E. coli on it. Not that you knew what E. coli was, mm -hmm. but you have an instinct if something is being cured properly or if it's being managed properly. And now we have this big global food supply, and we're worried about recalls and salmon and all these other contaminants. All the time. But when you know your farmer and you have a better way of kind of this instinct of knowing if it's healthy for you. For sure. So when I embraced herbalism and plant medicine, I really wanted to teach people about herbs and plants from our region that they could mm -hmm. either cultivate themselves. I also wanted to know the farmers that I was bringing the plants in for my own product line. Okay. Um, so getting back to, let's, let's talk about sleep aids. What are some of your favorite herbs to help people sleep? I love hops. You know, people think of when they drink too many beers, they pass out or they get too tired. Well, <laughs> right. yes, it's about the alcohol, but hops in general are a nice sedative. They're really high in humulin and myrosine, which are two um, essential oils or terpenes that have sedative qualities. Mm -hmm. So we actually grow on our farm a real uh, sedative hops that we use. You know, you, you hear about people making hops pillows or sleeping pillows. Yeah. So hops, lavender, lemon okay. balm, valerian root, chamomile. They're all wonderful nervines that are really nice and relaxing and compare well. Okay. Either in an aromatherapy purpose or taking internally or just sometimes being around the plants. Interesting. Can help, yeah, kind of create a sedative. What specifically helped Connor? Uh, we're still working on that. Oh, really? <laughs> but no, the, uh, later when he became a teenager, we would do the tinctures, but he has a lot of sensory, um, issues. So he didn't love tinctures because of the alcohol taste. We tried sure. lots of different things, um, but herbal teas worked well for him. Okay. Uh, but later we created this hypno smoking blend. So it's got, um, hops and the chamomile and kind of the lemon balm. Mm -hmm. It's really nice sedative. Um, smoking blend and as you know people are probably listening like she let her child smoke well that was when he was a late teenager and for me I never really introduced him to cannabis I didn't really feel like that was appropriate at the time but now that he's a young adult a really nice sedative high CBD strain can be really helpful for him okay interesting well let's talk about cannabis okay. and I'm such a nerd when it comes to Marijuana. Marijuana, cannabis, is it all the same thing? Yeah, let's talk about that. So okay. there's one species, if you will, it's called cannabis. Cannabis sativa or cannabis indica. And then we have two words for the legal definition. Okay. So if it's under 0.3% THC, we call it hemp. Right. If it's over 0.3% THC, we call it marijuana. And THC is? That is the primary cannabinoid that is the psychotropic or the head high. So it binds with our endocannabinoid system within the human body, and that's what endo means. It means within. And sometimes we have issues, whether it's a disease state or a psychological state, where we don't produ produce our own cannabinoids. Um, and so we need a phyto or plant-based cannabinoid to come in and kind of help us. And uh, there's lots of things that can impact our endocannabinoid system. I call it ECS for short. Uh, a runner's high. Mm -hmm. uh, people go running, they exercise, they get those endorphins. Mm -hmm. That's binding with our endocannabinoid system. Okay. Uh, lavender can trigger our endocannabinoid system. But cannabis does. Um, it's an amazing circuit breaker. That's what I like to think of it as. So think of it as like a, a key to help us complete something that's broken within ourselves. Interesting. So sometimes people can use cannabis short term and be able to help jumpstart their system. Or maybe they need it longer term if their body's not necessarily producing anandamide and other, uh, you know, fight, you know, plant-based. Okay. Or and they need plant-based assistance. So 
we have a receptor in our central nervous system um, called CB1 within our, within our system, and that's what THC binds with. And I like to think of it as in our head, and so that's why people get a head high and they get that buzzing effect and that psychotropic feeling. Okay. And then people hear about CBD, that's the second most dominant cannabinoid, and those bind mostly with the CB2 receptor, which is in our uh, torso within our immune system. Mm -hmm. uh, and many different studies are showing that CBD is an anti-inflammatory, it's anti-spasmatic. But CBD also is a modulator on the CB1 receptor. So people have found that they have a little bit of THC and a little bit of CBD, that they get a lot of balance that they're looking for. Hmm. So it just really depends on the person and where they're at. You know, we don't want people to risk their employment if yeah. their employers do drug testing. Uh, but it's amazing to learn what's in every different strain or in different cultivars and how the different cannabinoids and the different essential oils can maybe help people. For sure. So your husband at the time that you're researching and doing all of this work with herbs is growing medicinal marijuana. Right, without really knowing much about it. Like right. he knew strain names, but that didn't really mean much to us. It's like, okay, this is Blue Dream, this is Afghan Kush, or so people said when they sold us the seeds. Sure. Uh, and so when in 2014, the state of Oregon allowed for medical marijuana dispensaries to open for the very first time mm -hmm. was right around the time that Connor was going into the Logos Charter School System, which mm. is a wonderful program here in the Rogue Valley for homeschool children. Yes. And he was starting at Rogue Community College to kind of get his high school degree. So he'd kind of graduated from the homeschool with mom days and he needed <laughs> to like be in a place where he could learn more. And so we decided as a family that, uh, we really wanted to try retailing again, but I really wanted to base it on herbs and plants. Okay. Not wine, even though <laughs> I loved wine. I wanted to take kind of that experience I had with the wine stores about demystifying wine, and I wanted to help simplify herbs for people. Okay. Make it easier for people to shop for herbs, because when you go to an herbalist, it's just a sea of labels. Kind of like when you go to shop for wine, it's just yeah. a sea of labels. It's overwhelming. And so my vision with Breeze Botanicals was to make it a place that was an apothecary that had all these wonderful herbs and plants from Southern Oregon. But we also embraced the power plant, you know, cannabis. And mm -hmm. we gave it a place because I knew that pot shops would be opening all over the community. And I knew that there would be different kind of stores for different people, but I really wanted a store where all generations could feel comfortable. And that the focus was on this plant as a medicinal herb and how can it be used alongside other medicinal herbs. So mm -hmm. that was my goal and vision. Were you one of the first? We were the very first in Southern Oregon to get a moratorium lifted. Okay. And that's a fun little story. I really wanted to be in Ashland. I thought my concept of this apothecary with cannabis would do really well in that community. Same. And <laughs> even though there's a lot of people that are left of center and really embracing organic and natural, a lot of the property owners down there are very conservative. And back in 2014, I... I had never felt discrimination in my life until I came out of the closet, if you will, embracing this plant and wanting to open really? a business with this plant. And that's why the accidental activist, because I had no idea what I was really getting to. I just was of the earth and ha saw how this cannabis plant had helped so many people. And I really wanted to weave it into kind of this vision of an herb shop uh, that had all these wonderful healing herbs from Oregon plus cannabis. And no one wanted anything to do with it. No, I had doors slammed in my face. I had phone lines hung up said, we will never rent to your kind. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is my kind? You have a kind. I didn't know I was a kind. And you know, it was really about teaching people at the beginning that <coughs> it's not necessarily you know, I don't know, 75 years of propaganda mm -hmm. after prohibition, all this reefer madness and this fear. And that's one of the things I learned in this process is that people and humans are instinctively really afraid of change. Yeah. And I did some research on segregation, and when people would go to city council meetings, people were afraid that their white children would get sick from the black children if they had to share a water fountain. You'd hear testimony testimonies, you know, of people coming to City Hall really afraid. And I use that study of history when amazing people fought for the right for women to vote. 
right. the, you know, fought for the rights of African Americans or anybody that's unique and different is that the status quo, people are afraid that they're either going to get sick or there's going to be an economic impact or that they're going to lose all their jobs. Mm -hmm. And I saw the same thing happening when I said, hey, I want to open a store with cannabis that people were really afraid. And that was really interesting to me. So opened up the study books. I remembered back to my public policy and planning and political science days. Awesome. And how can I use my background of understanding how to influence people a little bit Yeah. to make it not so afraid as we change? Because Oregon, I mean, we were one of the first states to have medical cannabis. I know. But we were so late in providing safe access. You know, California had had dispensaries, albeit not very regulated. Mm -hmm. Here in Oregon, we the only way people could have cannabis is if they grew it themselves through right. the medical marijuana program or hired, if you will, or asked somebody to cultivate it for them. So a lot of times people didn't know how their cannabis was being cultivated. They were they had suppressed immune systems, they had debilitating conditions, they didn't know if there was pesticides being used, mm -hmm. they didn't know what was going into the cultivation of those plants, and if they didn't really know their farmer, right, they're not really going to know what goes into it. So I was really motivated to start doing testing and learning about cannabis. Mm -hmm. So thought that the best way to do that was through embracing it through a retail store environment. Right, and making it, um, you know, you're incorporating it with this apothecary. Mm -hmm. So it is, again, a plant along with all these other herbs that you're trying to educate the public yeah. about. Yeah, and like I said, I knew there would be pot stores. I knew there would be places where it was all about the THC or how much THC is in it. Let's race to the most potency. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more to the plant, and there's so many other constituents to it. And those stores are absolutely appropriate for a certain consumer base, maybe. But for me, I really wanted a place that a grandma would be comfortable going into, or a professional, or even somebody that's really of the earth, that really cares about organic and natural cultivation. Yeah. So I really viewed myself as a gatekeeper, making sure that everything we sell at our stores meets my standards for organic cultivation because even today we don't have any kind of designated for designation for organic cultivation. You know, so we right. have this OLCC system and we're not allowed to use the word organic to talk about cannabis right. because organic is a federal government mm -hmm. term. It's a USDA managed term and we can use that for passion flower or skull cap or chamomile, but we can't use it for cannabis. Interesting. So we actually at Breeze Botanicals go visit every single farm. We have a whole... Uh, <laughs> it's really in-depth what we do before we bring in a plant. So we make sure they're meeting our standards for cultivation, uh, and we've taken it a step further that they have fair trade practices with their employees, that they work to be upstanding members of their community, mm -hmm. that they have a compassion program of some sort, and they're giving back to their community. So we're trying really hard to kind of be that place where consumers can go and have confidence that we've kind of done the back, you know, the background yeah, for them. Yeah, that makes my heart happy. Oh, good. That's a nice business <laughs> model. You know, I'm just staying true to what I want, what I would want to give my family, and sure. what I want to give my children, and making sure that consumers have what they're looking for. Well, I would feel good about going into your store just knowing that. that oh, you're, thank you. You're pulling from That people. we're working hard. <laughs> yeah, you're working super hard, but you're also just being true to, um, you know, you're, you're supporting other businesses, I guess, that are good have good business models too. Yeah, it's actually part of my mission statement to support the economic viability of the Rogue Valley in mm. our region. I really, like I said, I'm a bioregional. I love where I live, so Southern Oregon is my home. So we only carry cannabis that was cultivated by farmers here in Southern awesome. Oregon. Awesome. And I think that's really important because it's, you know, the idea of a hundred mile healing and, uh -huh. and knowing what's in our region. And support your neighbor. Ex exactly. Mm -hmm. So you open up Breeze Botanicals. In Gold Hill, because Gold Ashland Hill. wouldn't exactly. love me, right? And so so we were, we kind of had our tail between our legs and thought we're never gonna find a place where people want us. And we got off at exit 40, headed home to Shady Cove, but we drove through Gold Hill and there was this place for rent. And it was a wonderful, older woman who owned the building outright so she didn't have to worry about the, the banks calling the note. Because okay. that was the big concern uh -huh. for landowners at that time is they were really concerned that if they rented to our kind <laughs> that they would uh, be violating their banking 
rules and their mortgage rules yes. for renting to a drug lord or whatever I was. Uh, so Drug lord. Yeah, so the drug day lord we Bree. signed a letter of intent to open that space in Gold Hill, I thought, okay, this is perfect. It's right off the freeway. It's right between uh, Grants Pass and Medford. And both those communities at that time were saying, never, we will never allow marijuana in our communities. Oh, we all know. Oh, we all know that changed. changed. Yeah. But... Uh, I thought, well, you know, there's going to be professionals that are commuting between the communities. It'll work really well. Sure. we got to give people a reason to come to Gold Hill. There you <laughs> go. But the city council was putting a moratorium in place, and they actually did, but they listened to me and my business plan, and they said, okay, Bree, it sounds like you have a great idea. sounds like you really want to be an upstanding member of this community. Let's get some public comment, and let's draft those reasonable rules and regulations mm -hmm. that city governments were able to do. I was shocked. I, over the next three months, I fought hard to keep our vision alive. Yeah. Uh, there were people that were so afraid of drugged driving. I've never had people stand up at City Hall and shake their fist at me before. And I, I was trying really hard, but these people, I realized, were really afraid. I had somebody huh. tell me they were really afraid that their housing values would plummet, mm. that nobody would want to buy a house in Gold Hill if there was a marijuana dispensary. They were afraid kids would be have tons of access, that there would be people driving drugged down the streets. I mean, really legit fears. And, you know, I tried hard to say, hey, you know, this is an opportunity for people to have safe access, that we make sure exactly. there's no pesticides, and that we're making sure that only adults are getting it, that it's not going to kids. You know, I can't control what parents do in their own home, but we can provide education. We can make sure things are in safety packaging. Long story short, it eventually passes, and we yeah. were awarded a license. So we were the very first in Southern Oregon. That's amazing. And I was so proud of that. But that first summer when we opened, we got a lot of press, like you said. You mm -hmm. know, so we were the first, and we got so many people. We had a line out the door that first summer. But I had to turn away so many people because, especially older women who thought, oh, finally safe access, but they didn't realize they had to have a medical marijuana card. Mm. I wasn't allowed to let in anybody off the street. Right. We didn't have adult use back then. It was only for medical patients mm -hmm. or people with debilitating conditions. And so that was really hard on me. Uh, and at that time, it was taking over 90 days for the state of Oregon to approve of medical marijuana mm -hmm. cards. So we had this woman, uh, and the Mail Tribune just happened to be there that day. Okay. She walks in the door and she had just been diagnosed with advanced cancer. I can't even remember the kind of cancer she had. Mm. And I had to turn her away. Uh. And she was so frail and she was in so much pain. It took 90 days for her to get her medical card. And I think that was the moment that I was like, this is just not fair. You know, I'm an herbalist, I wanna help people, and I have to deny access to all these people. Mm -hmm. And so then the citizens of Oregon passed the recreational bill yeah. that allowed, I call it adult use. I don't okay. call it recreational because it's, to me, it's about all adults being able to make the freedom of choice to be able to decide what to sure. put in their body. What was that like when that passed for you? Uh, it was amazing. I, I was so thankful that the citizens wanted to, that allow, you know, it took a long time to put the rules in place. Huge. And, yeah. Uh, but I didn't, I, I thought there for a little while the state was going to make me choose. Do I want to only serve people in the medical community, or do I have to become this recreational store that only served? So I lobbied really hard to allow OLCC licensed dispensaries to be able to serve all people. Exactly. Because I argue that 99.9% .9 of people are looking to address something within themselves, whether it's a debilitating condition or maybe they're super, super stressed at work. Mm -hmm. And instead of a scotch on the rocks at night, you know, they just want to take a little puff of something to relax, to help mm -hmm. with their mental health, anxiety, loss of sleep. Maybe it's not a diagnosis of insomnia, but they're really needing help with sleep. So most people are looking to address something medicinally, right. whether it's uh, spiritual growth uh, you know, there are some people that look to kind of help them uh, enhance their spiritual sure. side, but most people are looking to address a medical condition. So, so I was so happy that I the bet. state didn't make me choose and we could serve all people. I bet. And it sounds like for you, because there are a lot of dispensaries that are now open. Yes. And this, I mean, a lot. So many choices. A lot of choices. Which is great. You know, if somebody can't drive all the way to Gold Hill, they have options closer to them. Right. But we still want to give people a, ch a reason to come to Gold Hill. <laughs> right. But, I mean, Breeze is a little different because you guys offer other 
herbs. We offer other herbs and other things. You know, I think <coughs> just like when you go to, out to dinner and you're choosing where you want to go with your girlfriends, mm -hmm. you know, you're looking for ambiance, you're looking for the quality of the food, you're looking for location. Okay. Uh, it's nice that consumers have lots of options and choices. And what we offer at Breeze Botanicals is some really passionate, very mission-driven associates that want to introduce people to all different herbs and plants and uh, kind of be that gatekeeper to make sure that it's safe. You know, right now, you've probably heard the stories that there's a million pounds of excess cannabis in our state, yeah. that there's way too much. So there's a lot of really cheap cannabis on the market. So we are not necessarily that race to the bottom of trying to get the cheapest stuff. We want the best price for the best quality. So we're not gonna have stuff that doesn't meet our standards in quality. Uh, all right, and so when did Sun God Medicinals that first summer in 2014, okay. this space in Gold Hill had a commercial kitchen in the back room. And so I immediately started mixing and blending and creating and working with consumers to find out what, why did they walk in the door? What were they looking to address? And over the last four or five years, we've been able to identify the primary reasons people come to visit an herbalist, the primary reasons people are looking for cannabis therapeutically, and have worked on building different herbal blends and products that people are wanting. So in 2016, when Breeze Botanicals became the very first licensed dispensary in the entire state of Oregon to awesome. be on the OLCC side, we had to move Sun God out. You couldn't manufacture in mm. the same place. So we rented a building uh, in Central Point, very centrally located. It's a great name for the community. Uh -huh. And opened our first manufacturing facility. And we identified uh, eight main reasons people go to an herbalist. And at Sun God Medicinals, we have different herbal ally compounds. So, for example, we have a formulation of herbs for sleep, like we already talked about. Right. And we have a formulation of herbs for uh, digestive issues and, you know, a formulation of herbs for kind of body relief for aches and pains. Hmm. And what's fun is we really pay respect to legends and lore of mythologies before us. So every product line has a mascot, if you will, or a legend. So Hypnos is our sleep product line. Nice. Um, Heka is the Egyptian deity for health and wellness. Uh, and for us... It, it's not so spiritual. It's more paying respect to 2,000 years of wives' tales and mythologies about healing. When people didn't have labs, they didn't have double-blind peer-reviewed studies to mm -hmm. know why is chamomile great for this or that. Heka, the Egyptian deity, just tells me it's great, right? Right. So now we can kind of look at old wives' tale and lore and marry it with modern science mm -hmm. and kind of look at the reasons why something might be good for somebody. And a nod to our past. Right. And a recent past. I mean, five years ago, I didn't know and I couldn't tell somebody why that strain of cannabis was good for them versus that one. Mm -hmm. But now that we've been doing testing, um, our stores have tested for terpenes or full essential oils for five years. So we have five years worth of data. I can't believe June 9th will be five years since Breeze Botanicals opened. Awesome. I Congratulations. Know. I know. We're old timers in a new space. <laughs> I think you need to add Renaissance Woman to your title of all these other things that you so have So that's going. why I'd be accidental activist because I had no idea the fight I was getting into. I medicinally hadn't had a need for cannabis in my life. Right. But as an herbalist and somebody who really appreciated the role of plant medicine and how it could help people, there were different people that really needed it. And mm. I really wanted to fight for those people to be able to know more about what they were putting in their body. Well, for sure. And to have the safe access. So, But I had no idea that it was going to be this, this big battle of public opinion shifting. And for me, once I realized that there was all this fear out there, you know, I drove myself internally to be in a really amazing business owner and try really hard to be a role model. So as the pillars of prohibition fell across the United States, people could use what happened mm -hmm. in Gold Hill, Oregon and Ashland, Oregon mm -hmm. to say, hey, um, some little city in North Dakota, you know, it doesn't increase crime. It can employ people. Exactly. It can support the economic development of a community. Look at the case study of what happened in the Rogue Valley. Nothing bad happened. Yeah. yeah. So I really felt that my role was to be kind of that person that could prove to people it could be done right. Sure. And that we don't have to be afraid of this plant. Is that why you wanted to run for office or why you did run for office? I live up in Shady Cove and uh, Mike McLean ha is our incumbent up there. And I just got tired of realizing that there was nobody on the ballot I wanted 
wanted to vote for. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in order to get people to want to vote and participate, they need to feel that they have representatives that represent them. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a very conservative district. It's so funny. It's part of Lake County, Klamath County. I mean, it's, it's a, a little district. bit of Jackson. It's a very district, yeah. yeah. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring and give people an option because I don't want there to be apathy at the ballot box. I want yeah. people to have a choice. And I've always been politically minded. I would love to help represent the interest of constituents in our area. Mm -hmm. But I quickly found that I didn't have the time to actively be in the district and actually run for office. Okay. So I like to tell people I threw my hat in the ring uh -huh. and people could vote for me. I outlined what was really important to me in my uh, position statements, but didn't actually have time to go out and shake hands and meet with people, sure. which was and is required of a representative. You need to know the people in your community. You really do, and their concerns. Right. Is there a, a possibility that you'll throw your hat in the ring again for something else? I have no plans at this time. I'm really focused on now expanding Sun God Medicinals and mm -hmm. building a national brand. I uh, We have this beautiful product line we've created, and now that the new 2018 Farm Bill has passed and mm -hmm. we can ship hemp all across the country, right. uh, we're shipping to people everywhere, and I think it's really important to bring awareness to the herbs and plants of the Pacific Northwest and to really show what we do well here in Oregon. And also it's kind of the wild, wild west out there. You know, uh, you have a lot of people starting these hemp or CBD only companies. Mm -hmm. And the FDA has a real hands-off approach right now and hasn't really offered any guidance. Uh, and we have a billion dollar industry forming without a lot of guidance. So. Unfortunately, there's a lot of snake oil out there. There really is. there's a is. lot of products with hemp that's being grown in China. You don't know what's in there. Are they testing for heavy metals? So I really want to be that brand that if people are interested in what's important to me, that they're putting healthy things in their mm -hmm. body where mm -hmm. they know how the herbs and plants were cultivated, that they have an option when they go to shop for these medicinal herbs. Interesting. And we're going to wrap up a little bit, but one sort of final question for you. Do you think that we're still... I don't know if criminalizing is the right word, but do you think opinions have changed when it comes to cannabis in oh, 2019? Absolutely. Uh, the public opinion has definitely shifted. I think we have a critical mass of people that have pulled the blindfold off, if you will, and they're listening to stories from doctors, from uh, politicians. You know, a lot of the stories from consumers are anecdotal, meaning somebody reported it worked really well for them. And that means it may not work well for everybody, mm -hmm. but if it's an opportunity for somebody to live a better life, that's great. Yeah. And I think people are realizing that people like us, you know, knock on wood, but there's been no crime in Gold Hill as a result of our stores. Right. Uh, I'm not inviting it by any means, <laughs> but you know, it, crime can happen to anybody. It's not the business that makes crime. It's how the business owner interacts with their community. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we wanted to be a good example for that. And I'd have to wonder, you know, after prohibition, I'm sure there were people who... Alcohol prohibition. Did, yes, alcohol right. prohibition, where they didn't want to be seen with alcohol in public because it was something that was a no-no at the time. And so I just wonder if we, our opinions are changing when it comes to marijuana. I think there's definitely still a stigma. I mean, uh, we're just now fighting for a bill in the legislature this season um, here in Oregon that would allow people to have safe... See, the, the thing is, is cannabis stays in your system for up to 30 days. Right. Because it's binding with your own endocannabinoid system. So if you're at a place that tests for drugs and you ha took cannabis maybe 30 days ago because of anxiety and stress, you're not inebriated. It's not impacting your ability to drive a big truck. But it's still or in there. To, but it's still in your system, and mm -hmm. that's really not fair for workers. No. So I think that we need a kind of shift within our state that employers need to make sure that people are not inebriated. Police officers need to make sure people are not intoxicated when they're driving or operating machinery. People need to be safe at work, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And employers really need to shift, in my opinion, and insurers and insurance companies to being about performance and how people act. Cannabis is not always, just because you have it in your system, means that it's impacting your ability mm -hmm. to make good choices at work. So I think there's still a lot of education that needs to happen. I think mm -hmm. there's still a lot of fear. I think there's a lot of amazing, great people that are afraid of losing their jobs if they partake. Sure. And uh, I think there needs to be change around that. Yeah, well, as you just said, the education continues. For Absolutely. Sure, as it should. Absolutely. All right, Brie Malarkey, you're 
smart girl. No, I'm not. I'm yes, just really you passionate. <laughs> You're super passionate, but I mean, obviously you have to be because you've been researching this for what, a decade now, more than a decade. Yes. I love plants and I really, I'll just <laughs> summarize. I really see herbalism and plant medicine as a gateway to better understanding your own body. Mm -hmm. When people walk through the door of our stores, they're not just going to take a pill that their doctor gave them and not know anything about it. Sure. You know, they're coming in and recognizing with herbs and plants that maybe I need less white sugar in my diet. Maybe I need some mindfulness and some yoga. Maybe I need to drink more water. So herbs and plants, I think, turn people on to responding to their own body and listening to their body. Mm -hmm. So Awesome. Well, yeah. I like that. I like that viewpoint on that for sure. Let's get to the final three. Oh, fun. You, and you do have, she may have to use her cheat sheet. Uh, best no, advice, no. you got it? Best no. advice you've ever been given. So my mom and dad gave me a wonderful book by Cahill Gibran. He wrote this prose poetry in the 1920s called The Prophet, mm -hmm. and it's 26 chapters on life. And there's a section in there on children. So we talked about our children, right? Yes. And there's this phrase in there in his poetry about how children come through you, but they're not you. And I think that's really resonated for me, not only as a mother, in being there to help guide my children mm -hmm. in helping them with their own pursuits, but also as an employer in understanding the people that work for me and with me in building this mission together that everybody is the sum of their own experiences. Right. And we're all coming together in a common goal, but how can we respect individuals and their individual needs and desires? Beautiful. So that's one of my favorite pieces of advice for parenting and mm -hmm. for being a better employer. And say it again. Uh, Cahill Gibran, mm -hmm. uh, The Prophet, and it's the chapter on children. That children come through you, but they're not you. They're not you. That's beautiful. I uh, don't know if I'm quoting him exactly right, but that's what resonated with me. Well, it's, <laughs> it's the gist. The right. gist is what matters. Um, if you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, what would bring you back here? What would make you, what would you miss the most? I love the environment. I love the spring and fall especially. I'm not in love with smoke season. No, ma'am. No, I don't think any of us are. Nope. I love the close proximity to the ocean, to the mountains, mm -hmm. uh, the farm in Shady Cove. I oftentimes open the door and I feel like I just backpack to this beautiful meadow and I live here. So really love the environment. I think we should be so happy for you know, where we live. We're uh -huh. so special. Um, I tell my husband that often when we're driving around and we just on a beautiful day like today, and I just say, we get to live here. I know. It's pretty awesome. And the table rocks. And there's a lot, the Rogue River and the mm -hmm. power of the river. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. And it's gorgeous right now. Springtime in Southern Oregon is... If we did this interview in August, I might have a different yeah, answer. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> well, we'll we'll do another interview in August and then we'll see. Um, final meal, final drink. What would that look like for you? Oh my, I'm so... I'm a 33... 32-year vegetarian. Okay. So I'm the cheapest date ever. <laughs> <laughs> and my first name is Brie. Okay. So I don't know if those two things have to do with it, but okay. I Veggies love cheese. melted cheese. <laughs> That's I love cheese, melted cheese of any sort, mm -hmm. yeah, whether it's a grilled cheese or a pizza. And I love sparkling water. I'm boring. That's not I'm boring. boring. Melted no. cheese and water. That's, that's not boring at all. <laughs> it's your final meal, so it's whatever you want. I bet anybody who knows me is laughing because when we go out to dinner, it's like, yeah, as long as we have melted cheese, I'm fine. Perfect. Is, is there melted cheese anywhere in this restaurant? I am in. <laughs> and there's always cheese. Always, <laughs> always, because it's delicious. Brie Malarkey, thank you so thank much. Thank you for having me. For being here. Thank you for educating me today. Good, good. I feel a little smarter. <laughs> Actually, maybe a little dumber. Now, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. We are also on Google Play, and you can ask your Alexa app to open up Offscript. Check out the video portion of this podcast at ktvl.com. Just click on Features and then Offscript. Once again, Bree Malarkey, owner of Bree's Botanicals, entrepreneur, public speaker, and accidental activist. I love it. Thank you so much for Thank being you. here. Thank you. It was fun.